2: Michael Jackson's Thriller Album, Stories in the Room. Join film composer Anthony Marinelli, who programmed synthesizers for seven songs on Thriller, and a veteran film producer Stephen Ray, who assisted Quincy Jones and was in the studio every day with Quincy and Michael.
1: Michael Jackson's Thriller Album, Stories in the Room.
2: I'm Anthony Marinelli with my
1: longtime close friend and co-host Stephen Ray, bringing you the real stories directly from the talented people in the room with us during the making of Thriller, the greatest selling album of all time. Let's welcome and share stories with loved recording and mix engineer Matt Forger. His vast resume is highlighted by a long, important relationship with legendary engineer Bruce Houdin and iconic producer Quincy Jones. His wide-ranging album work with Michael began on Thriller and continued through everything else involving Michael.
0: In this segment, Matt tells us how quickly he worked up the ladder from training at Westlake Studios to become a member of the most successful artist, producer, and songwriter team in music history. He also reveals profound insights about his mentor Quincy Jones and other mega superstars. How and when did you, to that point, how and when did you join... Uh, the power trio, as we like to call it, uh, of Quincy, Michael,
3: and Bruce. And Rod. And Rod. And Rod. You can call it Big Five, and <laughs> and, I, and and then I'm the fifth member, <laughs> like being the fifth Beatle. Uh, I had been working in the studio for I want to say almost. Two years, a little bit less, I think. When um, uh, Bruce and Quincy, as a team, uh, had done a series of albums at other studios, and they came in to Westlake and started working there, and they did uh, the Dude album and Patty Austin album, and then I came in, um, the guy who later became a really well-known, famous, uh, exceptionally talented guy who was the staff engineer who worked with Bruce and Quincy was Ed Cherney, yeah. who went on to do just in- incredible work. I mean, absolutely great work. And uh, one day uh, he came up to me and he said, you know, Matt, uh, I'm, I'm really wanting to get out of here and go independent. And, and I think you're the guy that would be the best fit uh, in, in the studio uh, to get along with Bruce and Quincy. And uh, I didn't have the most seniority because I'd only been there, like I said, maybe between a year and a half and two years. But he sensed I had the right thing, whatever that nebulous thing is. And uh, I came in on the end of the Patty Austin album when Bruce was doing singles, single mixes. And it was just like I just, Slid in and uh, I became part of the team. It, it wasn't any uh, there weren't any rough spots uh, because my whole life I, I wanted I had been hired as a tech trainee, which is why I wanted the entry level position so I could understand all the gear and how it worked and what you had to do to maintain it and keep it running. So that was part of my education. And I knew this is the transition that I want to make to actually being in the control room working on the music. And the opportunity to work with those guys, um, uh, Quincy, uh, Bruce, and Rod, were just, a, uh, they were just a, what uh, a of powerhouse trio of, of uh, creating great music.
1: It's often been referred to by some of the under- other interviews that we, in other interviewees that we've spoken to as graduate school.
3: Oh yeah, for all oh, of yeah. us. In fact, uh, there's one guy <clears throat> in particular, <clears throat> uh, Tom Baylor, who uh, he says, "Yeah, I got my doctorate, <laughs> <laughs> University of <laughs> Quincy Jones." Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, because he yeah. worked with Quincy that long. Yeah, it was definitely it was like graduate school plus uh, because. Um, Studying uh, Quincy's life and uh, the arc um, which is something that I've, I've read up on. Um, the arc of his life was such that if you want to have a role model, you, could, you couldn't ask for more uh, because when Quincy was 12, he had the revelation. This is, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pursue music. And prior to that, he had been uh, kind of with a bunch of hoodlums and getting into trouble and gangs. And uh, when he had that revelation and, and he had made that decision, then he knew he wanted to do it seriously. So uh, all of a sudden, going to school had a whole different meaning for him. Instead of wanting to cut school, he wanted to be in school because there was a band room and there were musical instruments, and he got to, to try out everything. Uh, the person who, uh, the teacher was in charge of the band room and the band just said, what, uh, what do you want to do? And Quincy said, well, I want, I want to do something in music so he let him explore and discover for himself what it was uh, that he wanted to do so quincy tried everything and then of course he just kept you know working at until until he found that one thing that that was the thing it was like he found that uh the trumpet was really his instrument at a certain point yeah and then i think it was uh um
0: You know, meeting Ray Charles was a huge well, change.
3: Yeah, uh, when Quincy was 14, uh, Ray was 16, and they met and they became uh, real good friends. And then they'd hang out at the stage door, at the nightclub door, and the musicians would come out and they'd, they'd ask questions and they'd, uh, you know, just trying to talk to the guys because these guys were doing it, and this is where they wanted to be. They wanted to be doing it. What did he bring to you?
1: What did you learn from Quincy, or, or 500 More things?
3: than I could ever in my life uh, list or explain. Uh, because I would sit in the room, and uh, I would watch. And there was uh, one day, uh, I, I got to uh, a point where I was talking with people, and they said, well, what was your aha moment? And like many things in my life, I hadn't had that question posed to me. So I, what do you mean aha moment? They go, well, that, that moment when you, you realized, oh, wow, this is, this is what, who you are or what you want to do. I said, oh, that day. I said, that day happened on uh, April 14th, 1982. And uh, I went to work, I had been working with Quincy and Bruce and we had done a number of albums up to that point point. and it was a tracking date, so I got there a little early to set up the studio for tracking. And the musicians were loading in, Cartage was in, and I'm doing what I'm doing, Bruce is getting the console organized and I'm making up all the instruments, getting all the mics set in the studio and i'm just i'm I'm doing my gig. I mean, number one is my focus is i I got to cover this gig, and i got to do the best I can do because I'm working with these dudes <laughs> this isn't This isn't some little jingle date or it's not some indie band this is this is like the real serious heavy duty uh stuff and uh we, uh, the band uh, is, is in and the, the, the session starts and it's, it's, the band is starting to run down the song and uh, Bruce in his uh, uh-huh. uh, unique way pushed the talk back button and said, come on in and let's see if that recorded. Uh, Bruce was really good at interjecting a little bit of uh, humor to to lighten it up and so the band comes in to listen and uh, I'm on the right side of the studio uh, which is where all the technical gear is and the tape machines Um, and I look across the room and on the opposite side of the room is uh, four-fifths of the band Toto. Steve Picaro, David Page, uh, Lukather, um, and uh, the uh, bass player for the date is- Lewis Johnson? Lewis Johnson. Uh, it was Jeff Picaro on drums. And talking with them is Paul McCartney. And uh, sitting at the producer's console, which was at the opposite end of the console, is Quincy Jones. On the front side of the console is Michael Jackson, standing behind Quincy Jones is George Martin. Bruce is at the center of the console, the mixing position, standing behind Bruce Wedeen is Jeff Emmerich, who recorded most of the Beatles records. And There was a bunch of other celebrities that were sitting in the chairs in the back of the studio. Rod was on the other side of the room too. And I looked at that room And I said my my prayers have been answered and, and the heavens are looking down and smiling on me because this is the one place in the world that I have to be to figure out what it is I want to figure out in life.
2: Join us for the next episode of Michael Jackson's thriller album, Stories in the Room, with your hosts, Anthony Marinelli and Stephen Ray. Watch our extended interviews on youtube.com forward slash at Stories in the Room. Audio only interviews are available on all podcast networks. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Stories in the Room. For the latest news and links, visit the website, StoriesInTheRoom.com. This podcast is produced by Christian D. Brun and David Wolf. Recorded by Audavita Studios. Additional recording by Ben Rackless. Edited by Jay Spang and Sean Hedinger. Music by Anthony Marinelli and Stephen Ray. Michael Jackson's <laughs> the- Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.